in a prison and throw away the key. From these eyes that now, now can see Deprive me of the food I eat And even bind my hands and feet But as long as I know Jesus, then I can still go free. That I could still go free. What kind of man? Would reach down his hand and do this for me. Oh, unworthy to live and not fit to kill, but then the And says that I could still go free I never could quite understand Why a king would leave his throne Down the road of an earthly man and feel the pain of flesh and bone into later trod that lonely path that led him. Where those blood red stains, they broke all my chains, and I could still go free. That I could still go free. What kind? down his hand and do this for me Oh, unworthy to live and not fit 
Then the man on the cross puts me in his will and says that I could still go free. How many of you think tonight if the Son has made you free, you are free indeed? Amen. Amen. Philippians chapter number one tonight. You find your place there in the Word of God. I want you to stand up with me tonight. And we started this series last week. We're going to start through the book of Philippians. And we have titled this Regaining the Joy. This is the joy book. Sixteen times you're going to find in these four chapters the word joy or rejoice mentioned through the pages of this book. Tonight I want to begin reading in verse number one and let's read down through verse number six together. Paul and Timotheus, the servants of Jesus Christ, to all the saints in Christ Jesus, which are at Philippi, with the bishops and deacons, grace be unto you and peace from God our Father and from the Lord Jesus Christ. I thank my God upon every remembrance of you, always in every prayer of mine for you all, making request with what? Joy. For your fellowship in the gospel from the first day until now, being confident of this very thing, that he which hath begun a good work in you will perform it until the day of Jesus Christ. And I want to call your attention here to verse number three where he says, I thank my God upon every remembrance of you. Tonight I want to preach on this truth. What will you be remembered for? What will you be remembered for? You may be seated. You come here to the book of Philippians. Paul has fond memories of these believers in Philippi. How many of you know when God started this church the way that he started this church, you would have some fond memories of those people. See, Paul did not just start this church just normally. God started this church supernaturally in a prison cell. It was down at Philippi where Paul and Silas were in jail for preaching the gospel. When Paul came to town, Paul didn't go look for Motel 6. He looked at the prison because he knew that's where he was going to be. He and Silas end up down in prison, and as they're down there, they begin to pray and sing praises. And all of a sudden, God begins to shake the jailhouse, and the shackles fall off, the doors open up, the jailer gets saved, his family gets saved, and the church of Philippi is birthed. In a supernatural way, this church is birthed. And let me say this, Paul had some fond memories of these believers, and being there when they got saved. I promise you Paul would talk about that flipping jailer wherever he'd go and there's something in his heart that reminded him, man, isn't God good that God can save somebody like a Philippian jailer? And Paul would think about their salvations and he would have fond memories of these people getting saved. I can go around this room tonight and I've got some fond memories. I've got people that I know that got saved over in the gym with us. People in this room tonight got saved in the little building. People in this room 
room got saved in this building. And there's something special about when God moves into a life and a person comes to know Jesus Christ as their personal Savior. So Paul has some fond memories of these people getting saved. Paul also has some fond memories of these people serving Christ. Not only were they saved, but he had memories of them jumping in that work and going for God. He had fond memories of their service. And then he also had some fond memories because it wasn't always pie in the sky, whipped cream. They went through some suffering and afflictions. In fact, in 2 Corinthians chapter number 8, verse number 2, he uses here these people in Philippi as an example to the Corinthians that, man, they were suffering and yet they gave, yet they ministered, yet they served. And he's got some fond memories of these believers. Sometimes you and I ought to ask ourselves the question, you know, when it's my time to go, what am I going to be remembered for? Paul said, I thank my God upon every remembrance of you. What was he thankful for for these people? Why would he have so many fond memories? What were they remembered for? I want to give you real quickly three things that you and I ought to strive to be remembered for. Number one, here's the first one. We ought to strive to be remembered for our partnership in the gospel. Look at verse number five with me. He said this in verse number five. For your fellowship in the gospel from the first day to when? Now, you know what Paul had a memory for? He says, man, I'm remembering your partnership in the gospel. Man, you're there with me. From the very first day, from right there where the Philippian jailer got saved, there in Philippi, all the way to now, he says, you've been my partners in the ministry. Let me say this. We need some people that have some stick to itness some stick to this in their commitment to the gospel of Jesus Christ. There's a lot of fly-by-nighters here today and gone tomorrow, but I thank God for those people that have stayed through thick and thin and stuck with it, not to a church, but for the Lord Jesus Christ, because the fellowship wasn't necessarily, although it was in the church, it wasn't for the church, the fellowship that connected the people together and made them stay together, made them go together, made them serve together, made them pray together. There was the fellowship uh, of the gospel of Jesus Christ, that the same God who reached down and saved me is the same God that reached down and saved them. The same God that gave mercy in my life is the same God that gave mercy in their life. The same God that has blessed my life is the same God that has blessed their life. The same God that's answered prayers for me is the same God that's answered prayers for them. And there's something about fellowshipping in the gospel and sticking together and praying together. He said, I got some fond memories of your fellowship in the gospel. Let me ask you a question. Do people remember you for your fellowship and your partnership in the gospel? What does that mean? What you did for the Lord? We live in an entitlement age where people would rather come be served than to serve. It is easier to people, <laughs> ain't nobody here but us, we might as well get personal. It's easier to get people to sign up for potluck 
than it is to get them to go out and tell somebody about Jesus. But let me tell you where you'll find a sweeter fellowship. Going out and knocking them doors, inviting people. There's something about serving the Lord. And they are precious memories. Then you start thinking about those people that, and I start thinking about those people that have served us. I was going through some pictures the other day when we were over here in this little building and we were in the gym and we were getting ready. We were moving, building the little building. I remember a fellow that's gone on to glory now. His name was Randy Jordan. And uh, he said, preacher, he said, let's paint the church. We, the people, can paint the church. And so Randy was a professional painter. But Randy had one big fear. He said, I know what's going to happen, preacher. We're going to do this. I'm going to show up and it's just going to be me. I said, I promise you it will not just be you. It'll be me and you. And so we showed up that day. We told everybody, hey, we're going to have a work day at the church and we're going to paint the church. And here we go. Randy shows up. I show up and a ton of people show up. I got pictures of Larry Burris with a stocking over his head. Got little bitty eyes sticking out where he did some painting and Scott did some painting. I got pictures of Miss Fowler over there in that little building over there, vacuuming floors. I got pictures of people that along the way, and I got some already in glory that are over there on the other side that God led them on the way. What are you saying? They have been partners with us for the gospel. And that's what they're remembered for, how they rolled up their sleeves and got involved in the service of God. They quit being the spectators and said, you know what? There's a greater cause in life than me just sitting on the sideline being a spectator. But I'm going to make up my mind. I'm going to roll up my sleeves and go for God. I've only got a little time left. I believe Jesus is coming back sooner than soon and so the time I have that I have left to breathe and to spend, I want to spend it for the cause of Christ and roll up my sleeves and make much of Jesus in the time that we have left. Aren't you thankful for some folks? I'm very thankful for some folks that have rolled up their sleeves in this last day and hour and said for the time that I got left. I'm going to plug into the church. I'm going to love God. I'm going to love people. We're going to serve both and make much of Jesus doing this thing together. Let me say we ought to be remembered for our partnership in the gospel. Number two, here's the second thing we ought to be remembered for. Number two, we ought to be remembered for our perfecting by our God. God's work in our life. Look at verse number six. Being what? Confident. What am I confident of? Of this very thing. What's he confident of? Here it is. That he which hath begun a good work in you will perform it until the day of Jesus Christ. You know what else we ought to be remembered for? Not only our partnership in the gospel, but God's work in our life. That God has been at work from the time that we got saved. As I look back over my life, 
I can look at what God has done in me and how he has worked and perfected me that now the things that I used to do when I first got saved, I don't do anymore. I'm growing in grace. I'm growing in knowledge and God's been at work in my life. And boy, aren't you thankful that you're not where you were? Hey, you're not everything that you are. Boy, you're not everything that you ought to be. But anybody thankful on a Wednesday night, I'm not what I used to be. I can go back down memory lane and say, God has been at work in my life. He's been at work in my attachments. He's been at work in my affection. He's been at work in my association. And I thank God that he's been patient with me along the way. I'm thankful for his gentleness has made me grace. I sure am thankful for his hand in my life. And aren't you thankful for a God that works on us? Being confident of this very thing. Look at this. Being confident of this very thing that he which hath begun a good work. Now notice this. He doesn't say on you. It says where? In you. See, he can't do something through you until he does something in you. I do my own amening. Takes me twice as long to preach. And there's a lot of people don't really like that. But when God does something in you, it is then he can do something through you. Most of the time he can't do something through us because we won't let him do something in us. Let me illustrate this. Very simple. Back in the day when you could go to hotels and not have to look like the Lone Ranger. I'll just leave that right there. <laughs> who would have who ever thought two years ago, two years ago, if you'd have showed up at a bank with a mask on, they would have shot you. Now they shoot you if you don't have a mask on. Who knows this crazy world we and I live in? <laughs> if that ever dawns on you going home, you will wreck right there. And, uh, I mean, you go to that hotel. And, I mean, you go in that room, and, and you mess that room. You do that, whatever. But there is a little thing that you could put on the outside of that door that says, do not disturb. You know what it does? It prevents the one who can come in and clean it from cleaning it. And that person cannot do their design task. Why? Because you have said, do not disturb. There are times in life when God wants to do some things on the inside of us. And do you know what we do? Do not disturb. I, I'm okay with the dirty towels. I'm okay with little trash. Do you realize they come in and they make up your bed for you? That myself is a reason to keep that do not disturb off the door. They give you fresh towels, take out your trash, all because you have allowed access into your place. Boy, when we allow God to get access to that, boy, how some messes in our life. 
Man, how many times he's allowed to get his hands on those dirty areas in our life, those things that we, we thought, man, I really don't want God to get a hold of, but buddy, I needed God to get a hold of and allowing God to get a hold of and starting to straighten some things up in my life and put them as their design. But I couldn't do that with him on the outside. But the moment I took the do not disturb sign off my heart and allowed God to start doing some things on the inside of me, isn't it amazing what God can start Start doing through your life when you have allowed God to start working in your life. And I believe one of those things that we ought to be remembered for is that God was continually at work in our lives. You don't get to the place and the point where you have arrived. Did you hear Miss Kathy's testimony tonight? She said she was 29 and holding. And she made this statement. I've been in this my whole life and God's teaching. Did you hear that word? You know, that excites me. That God takes time to teach us even when we've been in this thing 30 and 40 years. I don't know about you, but I sure am thankful I can still learn some new truths and I sure am thankful that God can show me some new things and do something great out of my life that my race is not over in my 20s and my race is not over in my 30s and my race is not over in my 40s. But as long as I got breath in my body, God is at work in my life while being confident of this very thing that He which hath begun a good work in you will perform it until the day of Jesus Christ. I'm glad for a God that is at work. And one thing we ought to be remembered for is his perfecting work in our life. Let me ask you a question. What's God wanting to do in your life right now? Does he have access or do you still throw up the do not disturb sign. See, he can't work in us until we allow him to work in us. But when we allow him to work in us, he'll work in us, and then he'll start working through us. Right. Amen. Amen. Let me give the third one right here. Here's one we'll spend a little time on. I was moving pretty quickly, wasn't I? I better move a little quickly. All right, number three. We ought to be remembered for our prayers for others' growth. Look at verses 9 through 11. And this I what? Pray. pray. Now, how many of you know the Apostle Paul prayed some great prayers? You ought to just go through the epistles and read the prayers that Paul prayed. He did not pray for Uncle Joe's toe. You know what Paul prayed for these people? He prayed for their spiritual maturity. He prayed for development. Now, look what he prays for them. Look at these verses here. Verse number 9 through 11. This I pray that your love may abound yet more and more in knowledge and in all judgment, that ye may approve things that are excellent, and that ye may be sincere and without offense till the day of Christ being filled with the fruits of righteousness, which are by Jesus Christ and to the glory and praise of God. What we ought to be remembered for is our prayers, listen, for others' growth. You know what most of our prayer life is about? I'm telling you, the secret to prayer, you want the secret to prayer? Here it is. 
Learn to pray for others. I'm telling you, if you ever learn the secret of praying for others and praying with others, I'm telling you, it'll change your prayer life. You say, well, preacher, how come there are times when I pray, I feel like I can't get above the ceiling? Start praying for somebody else. I'm telling you, start praying for somebody else and beg God for them like you would pray for yourself. And I'm telling you, I, it is something about putting others before ourselves. But let me tell you one of the most selfish places where you and I come is to the throne of grace. And who we pray for? Me, 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 me. And if we looked at our prayer life, how much of the time do we spend praying for us versus how much time do we spend praying for others? Okay, I won't stay there long. I tell you depressed already. <laughs> but notice what Paul is praying for these people. First of all, he is praying for their spiritual devotion. Look at verse number nine. Look here with me. Verse number nine, he says this, and this I pray that your what? Love may abound yet more and more in knowledge and all judgment. He's praying for their spiritual devotion. He said, I want your love to continue to grow. Man, I want your love to continue to grow. Your love for the Lord, your love for service, your love for others. Now, I don't know about you. How many of you know we probably need to pray about that? Because you get in this thing long, it is real easy to put on an autopilot. It is real easy to get cold with people and to get critical of people and say, I've done seen this trick before. And all of a sudden we lose that heart for others. But God, keep me praying. And Lord, help me to have a spiritual devotion. And Paul was saying, God, keep them with a heart and a love for you and a love for other people. Let that grow in their life. Don't let that fade out of their life. Let that grow in their life. That when they see an individual, that they look beyond the cynicism and they look beyond being critical and they realize that's a person in need that God crossed their path with that day. And the only way we'll minister to them is when we realize that's more than just a person. That's a soul that Jesus died for. That's a soul that's going to spend eternity in heaven and hell and maybe God just crossed my pathway with them today so I can share the gospel. It is high time we realize that our church is nothing more than a hospital for sinners and a hospital for hurting people and when they come to the house of God they ought to find there's still a bomb in Gilead. There is still help for the hurting. There's still hope for the hopeless. There is still healing for that one that's in desperate need tonight but it's going to take some peace People that got a love in their heart and a love for what they do and a love for people that'll make a difference in their life. Let me put it down where we live. Have you ever gone to the doctor has lost their bedside manner? You definitely don't want one of them in the ER. You know what I want down the ER? I want somebody who still likes their job. I don't want that nurse taking my blood that she doesn't care about her job because usually that's the one that can't find my vein in my arm. Now, I don't know about you, but how I am with those my veins, 
Now, and I, now I'm a preacher. I go to you should be able to go to hospital. And uh, listen, if it's your blood, that don't bother me. I'll be right there and I'll watch the whole time. But if it's my blood, that's a whole different story. That's how it is, man. I, uh, there's something about when that lady misses that, that vein and she begins to take that needle and just... And you're like, Nurse Ratchet, Nurse Ratchet, stop. Why, she... She has no bedside manner. I like that one if they, oh, I'm so sorry. Oh, I, I, you know, I really like that one and get it on the first try. <laughs> but they still love their job because they're helping people. Can I tell you something? We as Christians sometimes can lose that love for people and get so caught up we come in, find our little seat, do our little thing, walk back out, and we forget the people that are around us. Man, these people are, hey, listen, this is our opportunity to shine. This is my opportunity to say, man, I'm glad you're here. This is our opportunity to extend friendliness to them because I promise you, what you do before church to people in this crowd will make a difference what they hear at church. When somebody comes in, and I mean it, it's like Jack Frost is the pastor here. And this is the first Baptist of the deep freeze. Let me tell you what happens. They don't care what I've said. But when somebody has, hey, we're glad to have you with us. Man, thank you so much for being here. They may not know them from Adam's house, Gat. But you took the time to, hey, stop. Say, we're thrilled to have you. There's something about how that will start working on a heart to listen. What are you saying, preacher? You know, we ought to pray sometimes for us and for other. God, keep us with that spiritual devotion. God, don't let me get cold. God, don't let me take people for granted. Don't let me get callous. Let this place always be a, with a heart for people, a hospital for the hurting, the help for the wounded. Somebody in need knows I can go down to 5870 Wright Road and there's going to be some people down there that love me. There'll be a man that'll stand up and open up that Bible and boy, they'll preach the truth of God's word and I can get some help down there. There's some hope down there. There's some healing down there. Some of you walked in this place and you were beaten up when you walked in, but you're not that way anymore. More. Why? Because you found out there was a hospital that opened up and there was a fountain for your sin at Calvary and there was help and there was hope and it wasn't in a preacher but it was in the Lord Jesus Christ and you found out what God could do in your life. God give us that spiritual devotion. Here's the second thing when you not only pray for spiritual devotion, number two, spiritual discernment. Look what he said here in verse number 10. He said that she may approve things that are what? Excellent. God give us spiritual discernment that we know the difference between better and best. How many of you know it doesn't take a whole lot of spiritual discernment to, to, to separate best from horrible? The spiritual discernment comes in, Lord, I need to know the difference between your best and just better and good. So many times we as Christians, we settle for the good and we miss out on God's best. 
But God give us the spiritual discernment that we may approve things that are excellent, that are the best. God, don't let me get caught settling for anything less than your best. And let me know, when, let me say this, when it comes to decisions in life, and we all going to have them, don't you want somebody praying for you and with you? God, get them wisdom that they can discern between the best and the good. You know, where, where was Paul praying this stuff for them? Where was Paul praying? From prison. God, give them discernment. Boy, you know, my prayers. God, give our people discernment. I know some of you face job situations. What am I going to do with this kid? What am I? And I pray, God, give them discernment. God, give them wisdom in what to do. Where they make the right decision, that which is best, and not just settle for the good. And then here's the third thing that he prayed for. Those are pretty, pretty good requests right there, isn't it? Notice number three. Number three is spiritual development. Look at verse number 11. Being filled with the fruits of what? Righteousness. Being filled with the fruits of righteousness, which are by Jesus Christ into glory and praise of God. You ought to put in your Bible margin right beside this, Galatians 5, 22 and 23. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, long-suffering, gentleness, goodness, faith, meekness, temperance, against such there is no law. Put that out to the side of this. Because he's talking about being filled with the fruit of righteousness. That's those. What's he saying? God help them be developed where they're bringing forth fruit for your honor and for your glory. God, let them be remembered. And he spends time praying for them. Let me ask you a question. You going to be known by your prayer life? I got a preacher friend of mine, and he is known for his prayer life. And that's Brother Daniel Buchanan. And most people don't know a whole lot about Brother Daniel, but they know a whole lot about Ralph Sexton, Jr. And God used Ralph Sexton, Jr. and is using Ralph Sexton, Jr., all across this country. Ralph would used to do big tent meetings. He's going to do one in September in uh, Johnson City. And um, Ralph has done tent meetings up in Washington, D.C. He's done tent meetings all across this country. What people don't understand is old Daniel Buchanan will be the man who will go underneath that pulpit, underneath that stage. And while Ralph is preaching, Daniel's praying. And that man will come out just drenched with sweat. And then people will come and get saved. And everybody says, oh, oh, look what Ralph, boy, God's using Ralph. Let me tell you why God's using Ralph. Because there's somebody underneath that place that's begging God to use Ralph. Can I be honest with you? You need to realize what the difference between success and failure may be in somebody else's life is you praying for them. The success or failure of your kids could be you praying for them. The success and failure of a ministry could be you and your prayer life. One thing that Brother Daniel has encouraged young preachers and us, as they say now, I'm getting older preacher. 
I'm not going to look. I'll just, I'll just, <laughs> I'll save that one later, won't I? And uh, season, he calls us seasoned people. Seasoned, because we're not, we're not old. We just feel old. <laughs> How many of you are not old, but you just feel old? Yeah, you're, you're only as old as you feel. I about feel like sometimes I'm 125. And, uh, but it's learning to pray. And I thought, you know what? Up in heaven, when it's all said and done, am I going to be remembered for somebody's hands that I've held up? And every once in a while, I just spend some time praying for people. Well, I think about our missionaries. Somebody needs to pray for them. You know, I, Mike and Anna fixed to make that transition. I just, 25 years in a place. And in a week from, uh, this, this Sunday will be their last Sunday. Telling those people bye. That's going to be hard, folks. And in one of the loneliest places to be is a missionary. Why? Because... Very few have a church family that really knows who they are and what they face. But you know what he needs? Who's going to lift up his hands this weekend and say, I'll pray for him. Boy, you see our kids and they get on fire for God. Who's going to be that person who will say, you know what, I'm going to pray for them. That God will keep that little kid on fire for God. And when they come to church, they'll still just lift up their hands and praise God. Why? Because that's what a prayer warrior does. I want to be remembered for my prayer life for others. I want to be remembered for my partnership in the gospel. I want to be remembered for God's perfecting in my life. Let me ask you a question. What are you going to be remembered for? Our heads are bowed and our eyes are closed tonight. Our heads are bowed and our eyes are closed. In a moment, we're going to stand to our feet. The invitation is going to be given. I wonder tonight, maybe God's speaking to your heart. We stand to our feet, we pray, and maybe God's speaking to your heart. Why don't you just find a place this altar and say, God, help me be remembered for being a partner in the gospel. Help me, Lord, to be a remember for your working in my life. God, help me be remembered for my prayer life for others. I spent my life investing in prayer for others. Maybe tonight God's challenging your heart tonight and asking Him to help you. Our gracious Heavenly Father, we love you tonight. Thank you, Lord, for the truth of your word. Oh, God. Oh, God. We may not be remembered for our bank account. We may not be remembered for the house that we lived in. But God, help us to be remembered tonight for our partnership in the gospel for your perfecting in our life, and God, for our prayers for others. Help us now in this invitation. In Jesus' name we pray. Our heads are bowed, our eyes are closed. You stand your feet tonight. God speaking to your heart. What are you going to be remembered for? What are you going to be remembered for? Paul had fond memories of these people.
gracious Heavenly Father, we love you tonight. Glad to see you tonight. Turn around and uh, look at your neighbor. Say thank you so much for coming. God bless you.